honing resilience as an athlete and coaching that resilience are no small tasks. The variables that can make or break resilience are endless for those athletes just starting out or who are years into their craft. How do we stay heads down when life gets frazzled? How do we push past discomfort and learn to embrace ambiguity and understand pain? Or how do we get through that pain cave? How do average people become great? Welcome to the You're Not Qualified podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Heater, and today we are learning from Bo Bergen, athletic director and host of the Lead to Win podcast. Bo is going to take us on a journey of forging resiliency and offer his wisdom for becoming a better athlete than you were yesterday. Hey, let's talk more pain, Marshmallow Boy! Before we head into the conversation, though, I think this is a great time for a spot of trivia that doubles as a reminder that you are an athlete. What is the definition of athlete? It's someone who is proficient in sports and other forms of physical exercise. All right, let's double click into proficient. Proficient means competent or skilled at doing something. And you know what makes you competent or skilled? Doing the thing. Every day you practice, Every day you go for a run, you go for a hike, you learn a skill under the umbrella of your craft, you are becoming better. You are becoming more proficient and you could teach somebody else something that you learned that day. I guarantee it. Consistency and showing up is what makes you an athlete. Do not let anybody take that away from you. Quick aside about the audio in this episode. So for part of this episode, Bo's audio sounds a bit muffled. That's completely on me. I didn't catch it right out the gate. And it was improved in the basically the second half of the episode. Many apologies. Please bear with us through the beginning. You can absolutely still hear him but you'll be able to tell that the quality is a little bit better. Again, completely on me. So sorry, Bo, for not catching that and changing it. But I really hope that you still can grasp the message and enjoy. All right, imposters. Are you ready to go meet Bo? Let's go. Do you hear that? It's the winds of change. All right, so this morning or... Yeah, I guess morning for both of us, which is odd for this podcast. Usually we record at night, but this morning we have Bo Bergen. Is that right? That's how you say it, Margie. All right. We have Bo. He is the host of the Lead to Win podcast, and he talks to athletes for his podcast about mental resiliency, pushing through, beating the odds. And I'm really excited to pick his brain about how you all and myself can also do that in our lives. So thank you for being here, Bo. Absolutely. I'm always up for talking about the mental aspect of athletics and athletics really made me who I am today. So I I look forward to our conversation today. Yeah, I, I saw that you were pretty athletic growing up, right? So can you give us a little background? So I don't know if athletic is the world I I, I like sports. 
I always, everybody wants to always be more athletic, but mm -hmm. I did what I could with what I was given. I was fortunate enough to go on to college and play baseball at Missouri Southern State University and uh, enjoyed a four-year career there. And there were some things throughout that experience in my life that really taught me a lot. And the world of college athletics is not easy. And this is, we're talking a decade ago, but just pushing through four years of that and the level of commitment that required from myself, I believe that I took a lot of what I learned from that experience into, into now. And I, I think back to that period of time in my life, and that's probably been the most valuable thing for me in terms of how I lead on a day-to-day -day basis and some of that resiliency and commitment. And I, I wouldn't trade those four years for anything. And that's what led me to where I'm at today. And also with the podcast, because you talk to people about the same experiences. Yeah. So the podcast came about, I've always been a podcast guy, quote unquote. Mm. I always like to listen to things that I think helps me get better as an individual, as a leader, as a person, as a dad, things like that. I had a hunger for consistent professional development for myself. And I just wanted things that were, I can go to as many coaching clinics or conventions or athletic director conventions as, as possible. But at the end of the day, I wanted something that was more consistent and, and, and relevant to my situation. And I thought, what better way to do that than to write my own questions? And uh, a lot of it is honestly what I need personally. Uh, but also, I wanted to provide a platform to where I could also help people maybe that are that have similar situations in, as I do, help them get better and help them develop. And that's how it came to be. Could you bring us through a little bit of who it is that you're having these conversations with? Who do you have on the Lead to Win podcast? Yeah, so I, when I was trying to put together my guest list, I, I wanted a wide range of people. I wanted uh, athletes that have been on the front lines and had to, had to deal with those tough situations and battle through certain circumstances. And I also wanted people that were in leadership roles or wanted to be in leadership roles and how they go about their day-to-day -day business on how they're leading their people. Uh, and I think that we can learn a lot from, you don't necessarily have to be an athlete or interested in sports in general to, to get something out of the podcast. And that was my goal uh, when I started it was I didn't want it to be just sports. I didn't want it to be just just athletes or just le sports leader leaders in, in sport, but I wanted it to be something that everybody could grow from, mm -hmm. uh, whether you are currently in a leadership role or, or you want to be. And I think that we can grab a lot of things just from the podcast and apply them to everyday life. And that was my goal uh, when I started it. It makes a lot of sense because the more that I talk to people in athletics, the more that I get into them myself, I realize how much everything you learn ties into real life. And if you push yourself physically, push yourself mentally in sports or any anything physical like that, then you're more likely, I think, to take on hard things in your life and just be an overround, overall better rounded person. So that's really cool message. Absolutely. Yeah, that, by day, I'm an athletic director at a high school. Mm -hmm. And what you just mentioned, that's why I do what I do. That's my purpose, really, to help kids achieve things that they don't 
originally think they could do. That's one of the biggest rewards for me in my profession is seeing people push through those barriers that they thought they had for themselves and then come out the other side, a better person, better athlete, better human being. So I love that. What age do you teach? So I don't actually teach. I just, I coordinate as the athletic director. I'm just over all the, all of our Mm. sports programs and take care of uh, scheduling. And I could, that's a 30 minute conversation on my Mm -hmm. job duties, but yeah, I just lead the athletic program and I help support our coaches as best I can and try to put a product out there that the community is proud of. And, and I enjoy every step of the way. It's something that I feel like I'm called to do and I'm not saying I'm great at it. I'm not a perfect leader or anything like that. I still have places that I fall short every day. And some of the best advice I've ever heard is if you're not good at something, delegate it. And that's something that I'm working on uh, every day and surrounding myself with people that have the have like mindset. And I, I'm just trying to be better every day. And that's honestly a reason that I started that We to Win podcast. Is I wanted to be better and so that I could serve my people better. Same. <laughs> it's a big reason that I started. You're not qualified is I want other people to just, that's yeah, like, if we do nothing there, else. So when you reached out to me about uh, <clears throat> coming on your podcast, you're not qualified. I, long story short, I got this job probably, I had no qualifications to get this job. I'm, I'm actually in this position. The school is one that I, I went to this school in high school and I was teaching here and coaching here. And uh, I don't know if the word handpicked is is the correct answer, but I definitely felt like I walked into this definitely not qualified to do what I'm doing. And I got thrown to the fire. And so it when you reached out to me, I was like, I am a poster child for not being qualified for what I'm doing right now. But all we can do at the end of the day is our best. And mm-hmm. I think you can look at the outcomes of certain situations. And if you gave your best, then you can lay your head down at night and sleep. So that's my MO on a day-to-day basis. I love it. And giving your best absolutely means stretching yourself. And you do that because you just started your podcast last month, right? Yeah. I wouldn't consider myself a conversationalist or (laughs) somebody that's really into actually talking with people on a day-to-day basis. But again, it goes back to that I just wanted to be better and I wanted to provide a platform that other people could get better at as well. And I've enjoyed it so far. I I have to be honest with you. I wasn't, I didn't really have high hopes for it, but I've really enjoyed the conversations that I've had with people thus far. And I look forward to continuing to do that. So good. I really love the, the episodes I've listened to. So keep it up. They're very intriguing. Good questions to you ask. And I also love your perspective. So it's pretty perfect for what we try to accomplish in these episodes here. So you have the perspective of seeing young people grow into their abilities as a director. And you also have the perspective with your podcast of talking to people that may or may not have been athletic their whole life, but they are now. And Mm -hmm. from the outside looking in, Those great athletes that we see, so those people that are placing first or second in the marathons, those people that are getting recruited from college, it seems that they've been athletic their whole life and it makes it feel unapproachable for those that want to get athletic later in life. So I'd love to dive more into this perception with some specific questions. So to even get close to being very good or the best, you must hone your craft. 
you must get better. You must get out there and run. You must get out there and get on the field and anything you possibly can get the ball in your hand. There are so many distractions though, and other commitments. And even, I think you could probably speak to it because I know that you have a family, you have a full-time job, you have a podcast. How do we stay hits down to hone our craft and get better? Yeah. So when things get hard, it's really easy. And to be quite honest with you, the average person more often than not just quits. And that's something that you try to, from my perspective, as a leader, that's something that you try to teach kids not to do or teach people that you're leading not to do. And I think staying heads down, it has to be a mindset that you have to consciously work on and nurture on a day-to-day basis. And it's almost something that you seek out to try to stay away from that, that quit mindset, but you almost have to develop a love for doing hard things. And Mm -hmm. I know that that's a little bit cliche, but it's, it's definitely true. And at least that's what most successful people do. They seek out those hard things and they wear it on their sleeve that, Hey, I attack those hard things and I I accomplish them and I push through in terms of how to do that. You know, in, in the words of your podcast, I'm not sure I'm qualified to give an expert opinion on that, but I can speak to what I've seen work for people in the past. And I think the first thing you have to do is really lean into why you're doing that activity. I think if I'm a person that, if I want to be a runner, if I want to be healthier and accomplish things that I don't necessarily think I want to, I can accomplish, I think I have to look at why do I want to be a runner? Maybe it's to get in better shape. Maybe, maybe it's to be healthier. Maybe it's to just accomplish a goal of running a marathon or a half marathon or something like that. If you just simply think that it might be fun, ask yourself what would make that activity fun because you're going to be met with hard things throughout on your way to that goal. So if you're not physically or mentally capable of accomplishing that task you want to accomplish, it might be time to say, Hey, I don't know if I, if I have what it takes to do that. And it might be something that where you need to pivot and look at something else. But I think the most important thing is to really have your purpose or your why on why you want to do that thing. And I think as you try to accomplish those goals throughout the way, it makes it a lot easier when you have that purpose in mind in the back of your head while you're doing those things. It's going to hurt mentally. It's going to be really tough. It's going to physically hurt. There's something called the pain cave that ultra runners get into and probably a lot of athletes that are out there for hours on end or in practice get into, but you have to push through And to your point, you have to find what makes it exciting for you. But building that muscle is so hard. The resiliency muscle and Mm -hmm. actually convincing yourself to continue to get out there. And this is probably a whole conversation in itself that could take hours. But if you were to give somebody a recipe card of, okay, let's work on resiliency today and we're going to do these things. Do you know what you would put on that card? The answer that nobody likes to hear is simply just work harder, (laughs) but it's true. Nothing ever worth doing is easy and nothing that goes for anything, not just sports. I'm in the middle of the hardest part of my life is being a dad right now. I've got an 11 month old at home that doesn't like to sleep at night. And I've also got a five-year-old who is developing a quite a little attitude. So 
I, me and my wife joke all the time. This is the hardest part of our lives right now. I, and I've done a lot of hard stuff and, but nothing is, is as hard as trying to balance home and work and two little ones at home. But anyway, it's not easy at home. It's hard, but at the end of the day, it's worth it because they're your kids and you have a purpose as a father, as a parent, and it's worth it. But I think if you realize going into it, whatever you're setting out to do that, Hey, this isn't going to be easy. And if you truly want to do it, your mindset will be in a good place to get it done and accomplish Mm -hmm. what you want to accomplish. Mm -hmm. You have to really want it. And setting goals is, I think, something that helps me. It's okay. I want to get a couple minutes better and I want to PR next time. And then you do a little bit more and then you do get better and it becomes a little addictive. And then you're Mm -hmm. like, I wonder what else I can do. And you just have to keep going out there every day. Yeah. I was watching, actually it was a podcast. I was listening to Urban Meyer is a football coach that probably a lot of people know about, but he was talking about goal setting. And Mm -hmm. when he was at Ohio state, he said, and by the way, Urban Meyer has his, he has his downfalls. And I'm sure that a lot of people are aware of those, but he's, he says some really good things about goal setting. And basically in a nutshell, a lot of people think that goals are just things that you put on the wall. You got a list of high and lofty goals. And he said that if he went in and posted something on the locker room wall that said, Hey, we want to win a national championship. Duh. No, everybody does. If you're playing football that, and you don't want to win a national championship, then I don't know why you don't, why you're playing in the first place. But he said that you can't do that if you want to accomplish those in-game goals. You have to break goals up into certain steps and certain levels. And I don't know if you've heard this statement before, but it's it's more about the process over the outcome. And if you're so outcome-oriented or outcome-based within your organization, you're going to forget about the process and how it, and what it takes to get to that outcome. And... Urban Meyer also said he was approaching a game where he was coaching a team that was obviously inferior to the team they were playing. And so if he went into the locker room and said, hey, let's win the game, guys. Let's win. Let's win. You're not going to you're not going to pay attention to the details leading up to being able to win that game. They weren't supposed to win that game. He told them to win the moments. And that really stuck with me in in terms of just day-to-day life. If you have something that you're wanting to accomplish at the end of the day, you can't just focus on, I want to accomplish this. I want to accomplish this. How do you do that? And Mm -hmm. the win the moments mantra was really valuable to me personally. And it it really helped me focus on the day-to-day tasks and little by little what you need to accomplish to in order to accomplish that big goal at the end. I love that so much. And it brings me to think too, that you have to learn to love or learn from losing a little bit. Like you can, you don't have to love it, but you have to look for the lessons in losing because you're going to lose. Like you're not always going to win. And that can make you great if you learn to harness what that's teaching you. Yeah. Some of the best competitors in the world have really failed more than they've won. I know that Something that I hear all the time is if you strike out seven out of 10 times, you're a Hall of Fame baseball player. And 
baseball in itself, and I can get into that at a later time, but it's a game of failure. And really, life is a game of failure. It, if you're just – nobody goes throughout their life just winning at everything. The best people, the best competitors, the best athletes have all went through some sort of failure. And it's how you respond to that failure on the other side. That's what determines – how good of a person, how good of an athlete you're going to be at the end of the day. Absolutely. I love that you played baseball too. It's my favorite sport and it's so hard. Baseball is so hard. Absolutely. It is. Yeah. If <laughs> if you fail seven out of 10 times, you're a hall of fame baseball player. What other sport can say that? That's unreal. But it just, yeah, it proves that if you are chasing that, then God, that's like, that's some resiliency, right? Oh, to yeah. get great at that. Yep. Great baseball players have to be resilient or they're not. Yeah, gonna make it. they're not going to make it. Wow. So you're around children and then you're around adults, like we've said a couple of times in terms of somebody like growing up, you don't have to have known them, but maybe seen their story. Do you have a success story about someone who struggled in sports and they're now a great athlete? Yeah. So when I hear that question, there's probably like four to five stories that I can Mm-hmm. that I could touch on that of individuals that I've known over the years that kind of stick out in my mind about overcoming adversity and becoming successful. But that's one thing I love about the spirit of competition and athletic participation, the resiliency that's required from people on a day-to-day basis and what we talked about earlier. But think about it, every single competition in the world, whatever sport or really I would even compare it to a job chase. Every single competition or anything like that, there always is a loser. Every single one. And that loser has two choices. One, they could stay the course, bounce back, and show some resiliency. Or they could just wallow in their despair. They could quit, and they could keep losing. That's really the the only two choices you have. And, but I think the best stories in sports are those people that weren't, weren't the most talented. They weren't the most athletic. They weren't the most physically gifted, but they continued to stay the course and they became great. I, like I said, I've got probably four or five local people that I can think of, but just in general, those are the best kind of stories. And they happen every day in the world of sports. And one, one person I think of is Mark Cuban. Mark is, yeah, he's the owner of the Dallas Mavericks and he's on Shark Tank and super successful guy. But if you look up his story and I won't get into it because it takes too long, but he failed at so many things. I think at one point he tried to be a carpenter, failed at that. (laughs) Uh, He failed at so many different things and look at him now. He's a billionaire and probably the most well-known franchise owners in sports. And I believe it was him that said, Winners make the most errors because they never quit. And that's a success story that a lot of people, they probably don't know the ins and outs of Mark Cuban. They just see him as a personality and they see his success, but they don't necessarily see what it took to get there. And I think that if I had any advice for somebody, look up Mark Cuban's story. It's pretty inspiring. Okay. That's awesome. And also it goes to show that somebody pops up in the spotlight, you see him on Shark Tank, it does feel like they're an overnight success. And Mm -hmm. you don't know the years and years that go into it. And then 
Tom Brady comes to mind, love him or hate him. I'm not a Patriots fan, but <laughs> the, or I guess the Bucks now, but he was, do you remember what his draft pick was? It was like pretty far I in there. I think he was a seventh round pick, like last round. Um, yeah. Was, and now look, he's like yeah. literally the best football player of all time. Yep. Tom yeah. Brady has a, he's got all those sound bites, especially now. Like he does a lot more speaking stuff and he really delves into the journey that he took to get to where he was. And he's another one that the more research you can do on Tom Brady, the better he's got his downfalls like everybody else does. But man, as far as leadership, that dude wanted to win more than anybody on the field every single time out. And I wish I could be a fly on the wall at some of those mm. team meetings. And yeah, I respect Tom Brady's leadership style a lot. Yeah, I do too. And it's one of those where I have to check myself and I'm like, oh, like it's so annoying. He should just let other people win. But then you're like, you got to learn something from that kind of tenacity. Okay. Yeah, like absolutely. there's nobody, that's not something that you just, you just wake up and have. He built right. it for years and years and he's got to be a great team player if he is that successful. And yeah, that's he, also very important. As much important. as he wanted to win for himself, he wanted that for his teammates as well. And I think they all realize that. And so he could probably get away with a few more choice words towards his teammates <laughs> than the average quarterback because of that. I think so too. I didn't put this in the questions, but I'm actually really curious on your thoughts of, especially in solo sports. So say running, mm-hmm. how important do you think camaraderie is though for greatness? Yeah. So I had a guy named Mark Ryle on my podcast. He's from Ontario and He was a former cross-country coach, and we got into a little bit about the team aspect of cross-country running. Mm. And so I know that if you're not in interscholastic athletics, you don't necessarily have a team that you're part of, but he talked about one thing, the fourth runner. So in in cross-country, you have to have at least four runners to have a team score, okay? So that fourth runner, which literally means they come in fourth out of your team across the finish line that fourth runner has an impact on your team score at the end of the day and he said that he put into a system to where they basically worshiped or they praised the fourth runner probably more than they did the the number one runner and Mm -hmm. I thought that was a cool thing to do as far as building that collaboration and teamwork because oftentimes the the bottom of the barrel people they have more to do with the success of the team or the organization as a whole than sometimes the the number one person. And I think that those people need to be celebrated and recognized. And you talk about if you're in a company, the people that are doing the analytics and the the analysis on a day-to-day basis, they're running the numbers for you. They're they're really making the organization run. And oftentimes they we think of them as like an entry level person or somebody that they're just working their way up. They have a pretty dang important role to play as well. And I don't know how much that answers your question, but that was something that I, that immediately stuck in my mind when I was Mm -hmm. talking to Mark on my podcast, that fourth runner mentality. And I think that goes a long way with building that collaboration and teamwork. And if you're just a adult runner getting into it, I would say it's always important to have a buddy uh, to run with. And I think that you can push each other and you can hold each other accountable. And if you don't show up to that workout in the morning and your buddy does, they're going to let you know about it. And that's that serves as a natural 
level of accountability. And I think that would be very important uh, if you're in an in individual sport and you want to hold yourself accountable and develop a little bit of teamwork. That's amazing advice. And that's, I think the reason, well, I know the reason why I actually stuck nose to the grind to become a better runner. Cause I was trying to become a runner for years and years. And then I had a roommate who was a runner and half marathons were his favorite thing ever. And he was like, okay, so let's sign up for a half marathon after talking about it one night. I was like, great, but you have to train. So mm -hmm. we trained together. And then I got the sense of a race. And if anybody listening is curious about becoming a runner and then participating in an organized race where you go, you get a medal, you sign up. That's probably a hundred bucks or something. I highly recommend because it's like a, it becomes a huge community and the experience and the energy is unmatched of just everybody. We're all in it together. You're all in a lot of pain together. You're trying to make it and then oftentimes you get snacks, you get beer at the end, and it's really fun. And it's something where it doesn't feel as alone. And I 100% agree, get a buddy, get out the door, sign up for a race and experience it. And then if it's not for you, that's fine. It, you'll know by then. <laughs> yeah. Oftentimes when you have a group of people that are competing individually, mm -hmm. think back, you guys are all trying to accomplish the same goal. And so that yeah, you're competing against each other, but you guys are all going to the same finish line. Yep. And there's a little bit of natural, subliminal, whatever you want to call it, teamwork and collaboration, just because you're going after the same goal. And I think that applies to a lot of a lot of aspects of life. It does. And you're all still individually timed too. And that's mm -hmm. so cool as well. So same goal, different metrics, depending on what you care about. It's really exciting. We know consistency makes greatness. I harp on this audience all the time. You're not going to be the greatest, but you can be the most consistent. Passion makes greatness. What else makes greatness? Yeah. So I want to say, I love the first thing you said about consistency because as that's built into my bones, I think back to all of the people that I would consider leaders or mentors in my life. And they all had one thing in common. They were consistent. And I realized just how important consistency is on a day-to-day -day basis and just how consistent those people in my life still are. And they're as people, as leaders, just consistency is huge. And every great person, I would challenge you to find somebody that hasn't been consistent over the years. Mm -hmm. Consistency in, in my mind is knowing what you're going to get every time you interact with those people and you know what they're about, clear and concise expectations and a consistent message. And that's a major driver in becoming great. Before I answer what actually, what else makes greatness, I want to say that by no means am I great. I'm not an expert on anything, uh, but again, I can just talk on what I've seen, mm -hmm. what I've observed from other people. And I'm trying to be great. I, that's a day-to-day -day goal for me. I'm, I'm trying to be as good as best I can be. And, uh, but I think first, what makes someone great is a good support group. The people around you, every person that I've watched that I would consider to be great has a great group around them that helps them to be great. 
they can't do it on their own. I think any great leader would tell you that I cannot accomplish what I have accomplished on my own. It's a group effort. Second thing would be that that consistency piece. I think great people and great yeah. leaders know who they are. They know their purpose. They live and lead by that every single day. And I think their people that they lead, they know it as well. And I think that's huge in becoming great. And finally, I think there always has to be some humility within somebody that that is great or is wanting to be great. It sounds cliche, but if great people always tend to work extremely hard. And I mm -hmm. think they're not scared of getting their hands dirty and rolling up their sleeves. If somebody's humble, especially as a leader, followers latch onto that and can relate to it. And humble leaders are also servant leaders. That's a widely used term amongst yeah. the world of leadership, but servant leaders make their people feel valued and heard. And I think that that only helps the organization. If people feel like they have a voice and that they, their concerns are being met and listened to, I think your organization is always going to operate at a higher level than if they don't feel that way. And that's what being great, in my opinion, is. This is the perfect answer. I love it so much. And being humility, being humble. It's it I feel like if you look at the greatest athletes, you don't necessarily always see that because they're in the limelight and they're celebrating their victories. But as you said, there's always a huge team behind them and that team looks up to them and they rely on each other to get it done. And it's it is never one person. They always have they have their crew. They have their crew. Mm -hmm especially if you're the best of the best and they didn't get there without the crew. So yeah, understanding that. I will add, there's a fine line or a fine balance between humility and confidence. So yeah. leaders have to be confident or people aren't going to believe what you're telling them. But I've seen some leaders have that balance a little bit too much on the confidence side. And that can yeah. come off as not being humble and that can have a negative effect on the people that you lead as well. But if you have a good balance of humility and confidence, sky's the limit. You're going to, you're going to be effective with the people you lead and they're going to listen to you and latch on to what you're saying. This leads us pretty perfectly into the, technically the second to last question. And also knowing that you probably have partially answered this, but curious if you have a little bit more you can share. So we have the people that listen to this podcast are oftentimes not the best in their sport. They're not the best at what they do, but they are striving to greatness, but they're considered an average person. I'm a very average person, but what can we do to become great at our thing? So their thing that they really want to do and get on the right path to becoming great. Do you have any trade secrets that you haven't shared yet? So being an average person, as you said, can often be looked at as a negative, mm. which I don't buy that. I think if you consider yourself average, I think that gives you a leg up and realize what do I need to do to not be average? And my quick answer to that would be don't do what average people do. And I think that Anybody that's become great, they're not doing what everybody else is doing. They're doing more or they're finding ways to 
get better in their craft or whatever they want to be better at. Don't do what average people do. If you consider yourself average, that tells you that I need to change some things that I'm doing. I need to work harder. I need to spend more time. I need to sacrifice things that I haven't sacrificed in the past. Don't do what average people do and you're going to, you're going to become great. I would also tell people that, again, what I was talking about earlier with being so outcome oriented, it's not about the outcome. It's about the process that gets to that outcome. And I think of, in my head, I'm a big analogy guy. Mm-hmm. And when I think of becoming great, becoming is a, is an active word. That's not a, I didn't became, I didn't become great. I, that's a active word and something that's constantly being, needs to be worked on. And so when I think of becoming great, I think about like climbing a ladder. Okay. You can't jump three quarters of the way up that ladder and expect not to fall. You, you have to go rung by rung and climb that ladder and get to where you need to go. And that's how I think of becoming great. And each rung gets you a step up. And mm-hmm. when I think of becoming great at my thing, whether that's video games or checkers or being a better dad, being a better husband, anything, I think about climbing that ladder and what it takes to get to that next rung. And as I said earlier, I can't do what average people do on a day-to-day basis. I have to do a little bit more. I have to sacrifice a little bit more. And I also have to set practical and achievable goals for myself. And yeah, a common phrase in the athletic world has become 1% better than you were yesterday. And you look over a period of a hundred days, you're a hundred percent better than you were. If you constantly have that 1% better mindset and climb those ladder rungs one by one, you're going to look up in a couple months from now, and you're going to be a lot better than you were previously. So good. Pursue it. And don't be afraid to push yourself a little bit every time on that run, say, all right, in five minutes, I'm going to bring down the pace. Let's see if I can make it five minutes at the five minute mark. You might be like, actually, this feels great. I'm going to give it another three minutes. And that little bit, I think it feels like so in, in it's, what's the word I'm looking for? It just, it feels like it doesn't match up to be enough. Yes. It feels like significant. Exactly. But you have no idea. Like even Mm -hmm. pushing yourself a little bit, like you said, that's 1% better than your last run. Yep. And you just got to get it. So we know your podcast lead to win. Otherwise, if people want to know more about you, where can they find you? I'm not a huge social media guy. I post basically personal stuff on my social media, but if in terms of leadership and development and things like that, the podcast is the best place to, to find mm-hmm. the inside of my head. And if we're on every podcast platform that you can think of, Spotify is my go-to, but yeah, take a listen to the podcast. As always, let me know if you pulled out something relevant for your situation. That's my goal with it. But I'm on Twitter personally, MC Mustangs AD. And I like to share some things that are relevant to my industry and also some general leadership things on there. I probably need to do a little bit better at the social media side of things, but I'm on X or Twitter or whatever it's called now Mm -hmm. and Facebook as well. But feel free to reach out to me. I always like helping people and I've just kind of chosen my podcast as an avenue to do that, but I'm more than willing to help anybody out that's just got questions about life and not that I've got everything figured out, but 
I can sure help and do my best to try to get better together. So yeah, I love that your podcast episodes are also between 20 and 40 minutes. Mm -hmm. That's lovely. They're like bite-sized. I listened to a couple last night and leaving on a note of something I pulled out. I mentioned Anthony Bryan really stuck out to me for one of your guests. His quote, we don't know what we are capable of until we try. Yep. It seems simple, but if you think about it and you soak it in, you're just like, oh God, yeah, you're right. Like you have to try. And that I think sums up this whole conversation. Literally just try. So a quick note to finish up here. I studied John Maxwell quite a bit. He's a leading personality in the leadership world. His CEO of his companies put out a little article that I was reading the other day. It's talking about servant leadership. And he basically gives three, three things that somebody can do to become a servant leader. And the third one is move into action. And it sounds so simple, but basically you don't know what is within you. You don't know the qualities that you have hidden deep inside of you until you try, as Anthony said on my podcast. And that move into action piece is do something that's uncomfortable. Do something that you don't think that you can do. Just try it. And you never know what's going to come from that, just simply moving into action. And I I really latched onto that. And because there's a lot of stuff that I do on a day-to-day basis that isn't comfortable for me. Like I said earlier, I I don't consider myself somebody that just goes out to have a conversation with somebody just when maybe that's a character flaw of mine, but I wouldn't consider myself a conversationalist, but sometimes I do have to have those conversations. And sometimes those are uncomfortable conversations, but unless I move into action, it's not going to happen. I'm going to, I'm going to continue to be sitting in my box of comfortability And until I get out of it, I'm not going to reach my full potential as a leader, as a person, as a friend. It it takes me moving into action in order to accomplish things that I don't think I can accomplish at the beginning of the day. Mm -hmm. If you are uncomfortable, you are growing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Bo, thank you so much for your time this morning. And I hope that you have a great uh, rest of your Monday. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. It was fun. And I hope your listeners can grab a few tidbits from what we talked about today and use them in their everyday lives. Oh yeah. There's tons of sound bites in here. Very exciting. Thank you so much for listening to the You're Not Qualified podcast, you capable babes. I'm very excited that you made it to the end of this episode. I would love to hear from you if you feel inspired by the stories that you hear on this podcast. If you feel inspired by this particular one, please drop me a line. I can be reached by email, ynqpod at gmail.com. I am most active on Instagram. The handle is at ynqpod q pod please drop me a dm there i love chatting with you all write a comment anything you'd like i just want to hear what you think if you think that you'd be a great fit for this podcast and you want to come on and tell your story of how you overcame imposter syndrome please get in touch or if you know of somebody that you think would also love to tell their story get them in touch with me would love to hear from them if you like what you hear I love it when you subscribe 
So please do so or follow me depending on what platform you're listening on. And also leave a review. Spotify does this really fun thing now where you can actually leave a review after a prompt. It's a really exciting way to get engaged. I realized it not too long ago when scrolling through Spotify that they let you put prompts as the creator. And I would love to hear from you. So please just get in touch. Let's get involved. I am so excited that you are even listening. And I really, really, really hope that this inspires you to get out and do that damn thing. Go do everything that scares you. You are way more capable than you think you are. I promise you. Again, friends, thank you so much for listening. Go do that thing. I will see you very soon. Bye.